Hello, this is Listen Now, and I'm your host, Sean A. This month, we're going to be talking about the recently passed electronic artist Sophie and her impact on music for both queer people and the electronic world at large. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to the second episode of Listen Now. Um, this week, we will be doing a tribute episode to the electronic music artist Sophie. And today here, I have a special guest with me, Alan. Hello. I've brought Alan on because for me personally, he is my modern historian for all things electronic music. He understands the beep boops better than anyone else I know and can talk about them in a meaningful and delightfully bitchy way. So, so happy to have you here. I'll do my best. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hmm. Do you want to, do you, would you like to give a summary for the kids on who Sophie is? Let me put it as simply as I can, I suppose. Sophie was a electronic producer who more or less revolutionized um, our concept of how avant-garde electronics and pop could sort of coexist together beautiful and i think that her impact i think is felt by everyone in some way or another whether or not you realize it whether or not you have actually listened to sophie's music her impact and i would say like the last 10 10 years of music or so has been you'll find traces of it everywhere in everything yeah Okay, so let's kind of start with some of the tracks we selected from Sophie's career to kind of take a look over. The first one we're taking a look at is Lemonade, which, um, what was that, like 2012 or so? Kind of my first exposure to, to Sophie, uh, when Sophie was still an anonymous electronic music producer. I think it was 2014. 2014, yeah. yeah, okay. Thank you for the fact check, Alan. <laughs> see? see, modern historian right here. Anyways, so let's give our listeners a listen to this. This is Lemonade by Sophie. What are your general impressions of it? To me, my first thing is how rubbery the sound is i don't think i ever heard electronic music that kind of squelched in that way <laughs> before listening to sophie i think the first thing that struck me about sophie was i think back then we were used to some clear delineations in terms of what was mainstream music and what was you know what we it wasn't less it wasn't really electronic musicians so much as electronic producers so there was this clear idea of like, oh, I like these producers, I like that. But then uh, something like Lemonade came along in the year before that was Bip and L. And I was just sort of struck by, yeah, how plasticine and elastic it was. But then how it felt like this mutated pop song. It felt at the time, uh, you know, I didn't really know. I wasn't reading any interviews with her yet. But at the time, it just felt so not not hostile so much as like angry. It was it was not it was not inviting and it sounded mm-hmm. beautiful for it and so that was really intriguing for me right the common criticism or i don't know explanation of pop music right is it's widely welcoming or palatable to everyone yeah but- there's an algorithm behind it to make sure that you like it and this one was explicitly just like these are very polished very 
smooth, clean sounds, like fed through a funhouse mirror and then a taffy machine. Yeah, that's yeah. so so well put. But in a way, it reached larger consciousness, right? I think I heard it in a McDonald's commercial. It was. And it was right. And I was like, the fuck? I guess they picked it because it said the word lemonade over and yeah. over again. And they're like, cut, print, check. Yeah, that was sort of the thing with Sophie and A.G. Cook. That was an interview with them where, um, you know, finally, once I started digging a little further into it, they, they were like, well, there's no point in making something that you don't love. And this isn't an ironic exercise. This isn't just us doing, you know, this ugly pop because we're, we're, we're mad at pop. We love it. We just want to do something fun and interesting and cool with it. And for context for our listeners, A.G. Cook is kind of the head of PC Music, mm-hmm. which is a collective of electronic artists that you would kind of categorize in this quote-unquote genre of sigh. You can insert so many names and labels for it. I think the term most commonly bandied about these days is hyperpop. Yeah. So you could say Sophie is the uh, pioneer or originator of this genre of uh, extreme pop music, if if you want to call it that. Sophie was kind of, let's see, yeah, and when somebody says that, some, that an artist is adjacent to something else, it's like it's running concurrently. I feel Sophie was more involved than that, but, right. um, and she's collaborated a lot with PC Music artists, but she, I don't think she was actually ever on PC Music, so it made it kind of interesting. Right. Bip and Lemonade both came out on the Numbers label, which kind of put out this post-bass music, post dubstep whatever whatever that term meant by then but uh it was all it was, it was much more of like a beat nerd kind of uk label that you know people right. like me would shell out twenty dollars for a two-track 12 inch to send them over here in sacramento <laughs> <laughs> nerd. yeah big time and so yeah sophie was very much uh very much kind of an aberration to all of that and i uh that, that was my that was my introduction yeah and we loved it Though I do remember, like, showing it to what friends I had back then who had, I guess, relatively unadventurous musical taste. And they were like, what the fuck is this nonsense? Get, get out of here. Yeah. Gaze with your weird noise. Then you hear Lemonade. Then now the oral history of a Lemonade of lemonade is how, you know, you would hear it in this club. And everybody who you wouldn't expect already knows the words. Just like it's incredible reach. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Kind of next on charting, something really important to Sophie was her work as a producer, actually with PC Music, and their kind of their interactions with the concept and idea of pop. And then you kind of run into something like this with Hey Cutie, right. um, which we'll take a listen to right here. This is Hey Cutie by Cutie. Okay, so do you want to talk about this song a little bit? I, like, knew of it and all the kind of the press surrounding it when it came out. But you could contextualize this a little better, Alan. Uh, Yeah, um, I kind of remember when the article came out. um, It was sort of, it was this article that came out that uh, was talking about um, appropriating female or or women or femininity in music uh, when it was all male-produced. And while it's true that there was that kind of problem, at least in techno, um, you would have 
techno artists, but cis males that would have names like Patricia or Karen or something like that. And you might assume something, but no, it was just, you know, some guy. So there was definitely that issue going around, but uh, they decided ill-advisedly to pick on QT specifically, probably because of its like sort of obsession, satirical send-up of commercialization while while also like embracing that hyperactive imagery it just became kind of a target and uh well that backfired <laughs> right because as you as we kind of all looked as we were reeling from sophie's death there was this terrible article about men invading this mm. space but you were talking about sophie someone who mm. was a trans woman and maybe at that time it wasn't publicized mm-hmm. Her identity there were kind any- of signifiers and right. markers for people that knew. And so it was just like the, the cautionary tale of the hot take when you're kind of out of your depth and speaking to things that you probably shouldn't. Yep. Yeah. The article was still up until Sophie's death. Then it was surreptitiously taken down. Yes. So someone knew. Someone knew. They, they knew they were wrong, but didn't do anything about it until they were worried about larger repercussions for it. Right. Old tug of the collar there. God. Oh, and also just like I guess a brief context on this song, like Cutie was this artist who was literally I guess like a robot or something that it was like this hyper made up thing, but they also mm. were trying to sell an energy drink with it, and so it just became this whole weird concept of a thing. And some people and you could buy the energy drink if you wanted to, right? And there's like, people who still have cans of it. <laughs> Is it Someone worth a lot it. of money? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> somebody drank. Somebody did drink the can and uh, described it as just like this generic sugary energy drink kind of right. taste. Yeah, Red Bullish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when people weren't sure for a little while. I think if they if they wondered if this was some like Red Bull Music Academy like project gone like too far for a little while. <laughs> I kind of remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it was a send up of it. Maybe. 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 Who knows? That all, I mean, satire. Danny Harl is also an interesting character who uh, was in collaboration with Sophie for that. that Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. But I think, right, we all kind of got to see this anonymity of of Sophie and Mm -hmm. just her touch on music. And then it finally started crystallizing in music that was hers or some sense of more her ownership right with mm-hmm. product yeah and one of those tracks in product called love i think is a great examination of the depth and range of sophie's abilities as an artist so this is love by sophie <laughs> Alan, talk about the song you picked. The most obnoxious little tinnitus fly buzzing in your ear. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody should enjoy that sound. And yet, you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing of it. That, that's, uh, that's, that's what made Sophie work so well is that who would think to have that thread running throughout the song, throughout a track, and come to the end of it and you feel like, you were put in a very good washing machine. Right. And it also, you I don't know, if you want to read too deep into it, like, what does it mean about love? Love is fucking annoying and persistent and 
and all those things. And you know what? Maybe that is it. Maybe it's that is really love. Buzzing in the back of your head that won't quit. <laughs> and I think, like, that's what I love advocating for with, like, pop and, and like, oh, God, it feels so stupid to say hyper pop, but, like. It really does. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not worse than, you know, IDM as a, as a genre name, but it's close. It's it's really really close. <laughs> ID it makes me oh goodness no take that away. <laughs> Anyways, but I just like there's a lot of lazy old people like oh not back in my day we used real instruments and you're like you know okay shut the fuck up electronic oh, music as I haven't thing. heard that argument for a while thank God. Oh no, you just don't <laughs> go to the fa- Facebook comments of any old people right like, you avoid that but there is just this like lazy binary of like electronic music unfeeling cold mm-hmm. music with real instruments which by the way use electricity and like electronic stuff to produce it but anyways that's the oh, real stuff that's the there. real feeling stuff yeah i think the best examples of hyperpop kind of succeed at being so emotive and thoughtful about their emotiveness in this plasticine, maybe unnatural feeling yeah. soundscape. And when you hear ends. something struggling to emerge, just this, right. this, this overload maximalism trying to, by force of will, like birth something outside of themselves. Right, absolutely. And if anything that I've learned from getting a music degree and taking music history classes is every, every sound that is... The next sound is always sacrilege, heresy, like, oh, I can't believe that this is a thing. No one will like this. People are very annoyed. Yeah, cut 50 years into the future and everyone thinks it's cool or it becomes normalized and the needle is pushed there. Yeah, and that's boring now. Yeah, the only thing that I, like, in music history that kind of hasn't really pushed that needle is, like, moving past tonality. I think we still hold on to that. But like I think Schoenberg was talking about because he always wrote serial music, which long story short is like there's 12 tones in a scale. So you put them in beep boop random order with random sounds and it becomes like this really modular mathematical approach to like writing melodies or writing ideas. And he said, oh, you know, like in 50 years in his time that we'd be past tonality and we'd be all singing like serialism and Sorry, sweetie, that has not happened. I am not singing a beep. That's Maybe my someday. favorite song. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But right, it's just <laughs> like this, if anything, this this subset genre idea of music that Sophie has championed is like pushing past the idea of pleasantness, hmm. of needing melody to be what draws you in and that those boring stuff a pretty <laughs> one thing that i learned much later on that made me even more excited if that was possible for what sophie was going to do is that she listed one of her major influences as a hot tecker and you're such a fucking nerd for them <laughs> i am a huge nerd for hot tecker so uh, you know to for such a big influence on her to be one of the bands that I'm not going to say they're atonal or that they're random or whatever. Um, they're, they're the opposite of that, but the like disregard for something like, Oh, melody is going to be the primary emoter, you know, and 
beats are just some innovative thing that we do you know it, it's 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 the whole spectrum when they in in their productions when it's it's not the melody it's the structure of it it's the beat of it it's the all the little noises that feel like they don't belong it's how powerful something feels it's how slight something feels so i, I yeah and so it just made perfect sense and uh shortly before her death um the label numbers that we mentioned earlier said no uh we're not gonna have any remixes of bip or al or any of that unless autecker do it and they did um <laughs> <laughs> sent sent in sent in a remix of Bip and said, uh, I don't know how useful this is. Uh, I don't know if you still want it, but here it is. We're late. Sorry. And so now Odd Checker, I think, exists as the only, don't quote me on that maybe, but uh, the only official remix of a Sophie track. Um, Hot and perfect. Of, of a Sophie track before um, Oil of Every Pearl. Yes. Because there's been remixes since, yeah. Yes, which is kind of the next happened i'd say quote-unquote breakthrough was she released her first major album mm. oil of every pearls on insides and was it on a major label i believe it was i am not totally positive on oh it's her own label yeah, transgressive i wasn't right. sure if it was her label or a label she had with friends but um yeah, it was it was sort of it was more or less self-released. And it was kind of her big arrival in terms of being outwardly visible as an artist. I feel like her like physical image was more elusive before that point. Mm-hmm. And in the album, maybe if you wanted to it was quote unquote more pop, but it's more approachable stuff and uh like it feels like a fully built album, which I don't think she had done before that. So mm-hmm. it was like, uh, I guess, a big, her big introduction to the world, and you could say to the like, pop uh, to the music industry in a more mainstream way. I just got a Grammy nomination, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. which what little does that, what little <laughs> significance that has, but it has some yeah. significance, especially for a smaller artist. So the track we're going to talk about that is called Immaterial. This is Immaterial by Sophie. Without my jeans or my blood, with no name and with no type of story, where do I live? Tell me where do I exist? Okay, first of all, this track is a fucking banger, but also it's like about the questioning the state of existence your thoughts (laughs) um i believe yeah it's a i don't know if it's a send-up but it's a a parallel universe image different world version of um material go by madonna yes and uh so yeah just the whole the whole album is sort of speaking to that process of what kind of reality can I build for myself? Like, how does reality exist as it does now? Like, what can be done about that? And how do I emerge, really? So you have tracks like Pretending and Is It Cold in the Water? You know, yes. before, I, before I go in it. Yeah, then there's Immaterial, Whole New World versus Pretend World, uh, Face Shopping. I mean, the whole thing is about what about reality is fake? And what about reality I can make for myself? And how 
unnerving that is. Right. And also it inevitably becomes an exploration of her, her transness and just mm-hmm. like how you interface with the world when being trans, which yeah. I can only imagine what yeah. that is. And I just have to sneak in one more track for very personal reasons because this is my <laughs> podcast, God damn it. Sophie, in collaboration with PC Music, there's a lot of, you know, pop stars and stuff that get attached to these universes. And I get, I would say the biggest one is Charlie XCX, who interestingly kind of has a reverse career to mo- many of the people. She had big pop hits, remember, in movies and stuff, and kind of retreated from that into making uh, hyper-pop, I guess, if you really want to yeah. call it that. Collaborating with those producers like A.G. Cook and Sophie and, yeah. And inevitably crafting an image of a, it, as close as you get to the silly idea of quote-unquote indie pop star, even though she's attached to a major, major label, but, like, that m- image. And my favorite song by her, like, I, I'm sure David, my my boyfriend, can attest to how many times I listened to it in the last year. Is no angel. This is no angel by Charlie XCX. So good. Oh my god! It is just my favorite piece of pop music ever. It is so perfect in just in the tightness of its construction and how it does the whole verse chorus verse chorus thing. And it's like rather restrained, I guess, if you want to say in the quote unquote weirdness that Sophie would typically bring to a track, but it is just engineered so perfectly and moves moves so perfectly for me, at least. Thoughts? Sophie, beyond her own productions, collaborated with so many artists. You had Frank Ocean, you had uh, Leaf, who Sophie produced the track Koi for them. And I, I think that that's my favorite moment on the album. I think it's incredible. And uh, then also um, the track Hot Pink from Let's Eat Grandma, which, you know, incredible track. Love that one, too. So you, if you're if you're looking for more, I mean, she's also she is, she is also a producer's producer and has collaborated with tons of tons of artists. In a way that's very distinctive, you can then immediately identify Sophie production pretty much, or at least ask yourself if that's her. Right, or is it a bad photocopy of her existence? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but she is so skilled in being restrained if she needs to be, or mm-hmm. you know needs to work in a certain idiom or confine, which I think is a real skill of a producer. If you're going to want to be a producer, it can't always be about what you want to do. It also has to fit the situation. And not many people are going to say yes to, you know, face shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. That's pretty much going to belong to Sophie and Sophie alone. But it's, I mean, it's an incredible track. I I remember when Pony Boy came Mm -hmm. out as like sort of the second single, more or less, because uh, Sophie pretty much coming out was it's okay was a video for it's okay to cry but then pony boy was okay so the album's coming get ready and that was oh man i can't tell you how many plays i have on that one that's a banger Mm. (laughs) as the kids call it yes 
and like talking about her production, there was always just lots of talk. I, it's just cruel with the way the world took her. Like she was on the verge of being even more ubiquitous. Because there were a lot of big name artists who supposedly had recorded a track with her or something, and it got yeah. scrapped. Right, like Lady Gaga supposedly. For her most chromatica, there was apparently a couple tracks or two there. And the thing that confirmed it, some fans just ran up to her. It was like, are you working with Lady Gaga? And she's like, yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? Was, well, you know, like, she just told him, okay, you know, just chill out. Uh, you know, yeah. Music. We might release it, we might not. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. When other people would be like, shh, this is under rep. I'm not allowed to talk about that. No. She, it's just like I think she was just smoking outside and was like, "Yeah, we're working together. Relax." <laughs> I hope at this point we've demonstrated like why her music is special and why her music stands any significance to recent history. And I think if you hear any song that has like an extra bouncy bass or a little, little something weird going on in the background, that I think you can credit as a tribute or a bad copycat of Sophie. I mean, she's also sort of informed much more abstract things as well. Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a through line of at least trans artists who I wouldn't say feel more comfortable, but at least now sort of belong on a recognizable continuum, partly due to Sophie. Uh, you have artists like RKSS and Patricia Traxon who may, I mean, their, their, their albums are incredible in their own right, but uh, it's sort of recognized as being part of this glossy, kinetic, sort of, a, sort of abstract sound art that people are much more able to find and much more receptive to, uh, partially because of her as well. Yeah, and like, there's an interesting discussion there about in the idiom of this kind of electronic music that your voice gets obscured mm -hmm. and or distorted. And for trans individuals, from what I understand and from my experience in speaking with people that like, you know, your voice is something that can often be a source of discomfort. If it mm -hmm. doesn't, if you don't feel like it represents who you really are at, at whatever point you are in your life and like being able to distort your voice to, to the way you want it feels almost like an act of finding yourself. Yeah, I have seen there's there's dialogue around that where you sort of a you know it before you know it in a way where you there's this latent sense of transness through noise. And I, there was um there was an interesting discussion on that, but also I saw a tweet some time ago that said, Do you like noise or are you just trans? <laughs> and I never put that together until I saw that and went, oh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it seems like a vehicle for, for something like that and recontextualizing the expected sort of quote unquote aggression of noise as something that's male dominated and kind of gnomic into an expression of not just something emerging, but of the dissonant self in a way. Absolutely. I feel like I, so many, trans and queer artists that live in this space <laughs> and you're like oh you came out with a hyper pop track how creative how groundbreaking <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse yeah like i have never seen 
when we all heard about Sophie's passing, kind of the most collective grieving from queer people all at once. I don't think I was surprised I, by it. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember in recent history. Maybe it's all because we're also trapped at home and stuck on our stuck on the internet. But I have just never seen such a collective grieving mm-hmm. for a music figure. And I think that goes to speak about the importance Sophie has on queer people's lives who are in this realm. Even my in-laws heard about it. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a moment. <laughs> They're like, who's this? Yeah, I heard this This artist died. Was, wow. It, yes, I never expected the collective online grief that I'm seeing to actually translate to you. <laughs> but um, yes, yes, she was very important. Thank you. Thanks for that asking. A, yeah, thank you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the the way the pretty much all of my timeline came together there because I always felt like yes, Sophie is embraced very much so and vehemently so by a lot of people I know and people I follow. But there's also this sort of tension of where is this sound really going? Isn't this just unpleasant? Uh, this doesn't really make me want to dance. Like this is just you know some loud and nonsense that you that you create because you're bored that was that sort of right undercurrent running through that but no she was widely loved and i was it was really um interesting and emotional to see that and i would say her most recent album dispels that notion that is not danceable electronic music i think that is an incredibly danceable album yeah 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 it's just you know it's it may be more choreography yeah you can't you can't touch step when it's yeah you might need a little a little choreography to it but it's certainly there and there was a rumor of her um of an album coming out pretty soon and it supposedly leaked uh some version of it leaked online um and it was uh we understood as understood it as a little more a little more dialed down a little more uh, producer a little more pop but um i don't know i'm not i'm not too sure on that one i didn't want to look into a low quality leak too much really no not really but right i've heard those rumors too so we will see in the coming months and years of another album appears mm. i always feel kind of icky about posthumous releases but if you know if this was a product or like an album that was in close to finished or finished form, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm just, you know, it feels like, no pun intended, beating a dead horse when you just like release some unreleased B track by the person. You're like, really? No. Could you be any more crass? Mm-hmm. So, in summary, why is Sophie important to you? Oh, I think it was because I'm almost 36 years old and Sophie was the last time I really wanted to shake the table with my friends and tell them that this was important to listen to and that this was something that meant a lot to me and that I felt signified. There's a lot of talk in electronic music about it being future music and future productions and the sound of the future and all the space shows want, you know, the latest things on sci-fi channel, but really like then the future actually comes along and it's much more interesting and bright and incredible and um, fertile than, than what they, what, what was actually predicted for us. And Sophie was that she had a big impact on me and I feel 
obviously, on a lot of other people who felt the same way. Absolutely. For me, it was kind of perfect in just widening my tastes in music. I think, funnily enough, it kind of um, coincided with me going to college and just trying to find myself and just finding new things to listen to and understand. And in indirect ways, I think Sophie helped me explore and find my queerness. And fi- finding ways to comfortably express yourself in all the noise and terror that the world is. And mm. I think that is something that her music does so well. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I really want to thank everyone for listening today. Please give Selfie's music a listen if you haven't. And uh, let us know what you think. It's no Sam Studios. Well, actually... Did I stutter?